0: Hey everyone, another Baseball America podcast here. J.J., John, and Kyle are back together. Uh, a little bleary-eyed from, uh, from last night, but, but not too bad. We got some caffeine and we're rolling. And we thank you as we're doing this, you know, these playoff podcasts every morning during the uh, weekdays. We're going to talk about what happened last night and look ahead a little bit to what's going to happen today as well. Before we do that, though, we want to remind you that today's podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-field brand of baseball offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. So, John, so, Kyle, we now are down to eight. We have wiped out the wild cards. You know, the wild card games are done. And for all the wailing and gnashing of teeth of the unfairness of the uh, wild card one-game format, which I think we kind of universally love... Um, Because it's really exciting and this, you know, it's a wild card game. But for all that, we have the top eight teams. The top eight teams, if you say that, you know, you look over the 162 game expanse and you say, these are the top eight teams. And this should make for really good division series, kind of really across the board. I mean, there's
1: not a dud here. If you look at it, not at all. I have a feel. I mean, last year's postseason was so exciting, so exhilarating. Even before we got to the World Series with the Cubs and the Indians, we saw so much drama in that Dodgers-Nats series, the Wild Card games with the Blue Jays and the with the uh, Blue Jays and the uh, and the Orioles. I really do think this is uh, this has a chance to be one of the most complete postseasons in terms of. You can realistically look at a, a winning path for all eight of these teams. These are all mm-hmm. really, really good teams. There's no weak link. There's no. They got a bad There's no Cinderella.
0: I mean, like the the, There's no the the Diamondbacks. You know, this will kind of lead into talking about. But but John, the Diamondbacks win yesterday. You know, in the wild card. But if you tell me that the Diamondbacks win this whole thing, I'm not saying this is not a. A plucky twins team that got lucky because they got to play, you know, enough games at home to win it or anything like that, like happened many a year ago, <laughs> right? You know, but no, I look at this team and I say, you know, but you saw that last night. I, what did, you, what stood out to you? What's the first, if you're going to have your memory of that wild card game? There's a lot of, of choices. What would, you, what stands out to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of choices. I guess first, I'd say like it, it would certainly be an upset if. The Diamondbacks won the World Series championship because the other three teams are, you know, 104 win Dodger team in the National League, plus uh, defending World Series champions, plus the you know the, the some sort of the star firepower that you have in Washington. You know, I still think Arizona would be considered a big upset, but yeah, like you said to start off, these are the eight best teams, and I think we saw kind of a little bit of everything from Arizona. But uh, I'm going to revisit yesterday's discussion and chew over that a little bit more. We have good starting pitchers on these teams. These guys who've pitched in these the four starters in these two wildcard games. Irvin Santana probably is, I guess, uh, the, the weakest in terms of stuff. Mm-hmm. He still was up to 96.5 miles an hour with a nasty slider at his best. He wasn't, his slider wasn't very good the other night. Jonathan Gray was the number one player in his draft class and throws a hundo as a starter. And has a nasty stuff. And has been the and, ace
0: of that, I would say right. the hours to the he's good.
2: He's good. Yeah. He's not great, but he's good. Zach Grinke is one of the highest paid players in baseball and has established himself as a guy who maybe not a Hall of Fame career, but a Hall of Very Good kind of career. And Luis Severino is as filthy as it gets. And if he's in the if he I think you very safely make a case, he's one of the five or six best starting pitchers in Major League Baseball this year. And collectively they've lasted what, seven point one innings, seven and a third? Greinke last night mowed through the Rockies the first time to the order, and all of a sudden it's like, uh-oh. You know, and it wasn't – there weren't that many flukes. It was a lot of hard contact by an offense that I, in my mind, rightfully bagged on yesterday. Um, but once Gerardo Parra knocked in that first run – that's what I actually remember yesterday from yesterday's game. My takeaway is, man, for a mediocre big leaguer, but a big leaguer nonetheless – a long time still has sure has a whole hell of a lot of swag still. This point in his career, that guy is like Luis Valbuena light in terms of swag. I mean, like everything's a bat toss. He doesn't care what you think. And uh and he hits I actually thought than his, 199. I actually thought his energy uh, well it takes him three years to hit as many home runs as Valbuena hits in one. So I think his energy and confidence was a big part of the Rockies' comeback last night, honestly. That single at the middle. It was the It seemed like it was the softest hit Granky gave up, but it kind of opened the floodgates. Yeah, and uh, so these are good pitchers, and they're uh, these, the hitters are better. In the first two games, the hitters have been better, and uh, it, it, so so what's it going to take in the playoffs for us <laughs> to have a pitcher's duel, or what's it going to take for us to have a game, a low-scoring game? Uh, will it, it remains? If we to don't be get seen. it today. If, if we don't get it, get it today. with Orlando Sale, maybe we're not going to get it. But I just think it underscores. You know the strikeouts in baseball underscore how good these pitchers are, but the, how I just think mean, we have to give these hitters, man, baseball, major league hitters are so stinking good. I just don't think we understand how nasty the stuff they're facing and how good the hitters are. Because Grinke and I didn't think Gr- Grinke and Robbie Ray were throwing bad stuff up there last night, but once things started going the hitters' way, so that the once the hitters hit their good pitches, the more mistakes they made, especially out of the stretch and the more we saw hitters take advantage of it.
0: The other thing that stands out to me that, again, you said, like you got Gerardo Parra. The, the guy that stands out to me, like you do get stars who are not. You get guys who are stars for a night who are not stars normally. But the Diamondbacks have had for a pretty good while here, you know, last few years, this log jam of middle infielders who all have their strengths and all have their weaknesses. A lot, and, of, them,
2: a lot of them hurt lately. And,
0: and a lot of them, one of their weaknesses is, durability.
2: Yeah.
0: But give them credit. Give the front office credit. Kettle Marte to basically target a guy who really was Kettle Marte Bad Mariners system, he was one of the best prospects in it. Came up as a young, came up young. I mean, he yeah. was young when he arrived and was li- really to be honest a, a little bit, you know, it was a little early for him. It was what it looked like. But, you know, they went out and said this is a useful guy for us to acquire. And he's ended up being
1: kind of a, a I mean, a, huge part a, a savior
0: of for them because they've had so many middle infield injuries. He obviously comes up huge last night. You huh? know,
1: I actually had a really interesting conversation with a scout last year, uh, sorry, this year about Ken Marte and how he also had a really nice campaign when he first came up, did some really good things, and that second year tanked. And this scout, his opinion of the situation was he actually felt like Robinson Cano Who's obviously a fantastic player actually was a bad influence on Marte. Cano's a very take it easy, laid back, plays, you know, you know, a little bit of swagger, but not, you know, he's everything not, comes easy. Right, everything comes easy. And and this scout felt like Marte playing next to Cano, was trying to emulate that in all the wrong ways. And so you saw a lot what it turned into a lack of hustle, it turned into sometimes a lack of preparation. And he felt like Kettle Marte was an extraordinarily talented individual. And he wasn't surprised when he made a move to say, I really think that this is going to be a guy who will become as good as we and thought he could have been. Just needed a different dynamic. And he's a high-energy guy. He's just okay. Way, with... I mean, he just okay. Right. 750 OPS. Let's right. yeah. not run away with me. But in terms of that's so much better. Even the, he was so bad last year. I mean, it was, OPS it was horrendous. Yes. And the year before, he showed enough flashes. You could say,
2: okay, a, a good middle infielder. Wasn't, wasn't Robbie Cano there the year before? I think uh, Robbie Camus is a scapegoat for scouts, personally. I think because the game comes so easily to him. I mean, and I underrated him. And one of the reasons why I underrated him is scouts talked about how he just didn't play hard. And the guy's headed to the Hall of Fame. So I'm just, I'm just, oh, yeah, I'm just knocking the scout. Not you. You're the, the messenger. Story. I'm knocking the scout. At some point, Kettle Marte is responsible for himself. But, right. I mean, there, is Robbie Cano the only guy on that Mariners team? What about Nelson Cruz? Is Nelson Cruz a lazy bag of crap, too? I'm just saying, that's crap. From sort of the scout, not from you. We're moving I ahead. digress. I do
1: think, though, Kettle Marte has obviously been a very nice addition. You know, that trade did work out for both teams. I, I will say, the thing for me, you know, talk about what are you going to remember most. To me, it's the relent- relentlessness of the Diamondbacks' offense, which in a lot of ways has been their, their best asset. I think there's a lot of focus on their starting pitching, as there should be. But... You know, Daniel Descalson and Jeff Mathis, who normally <laughs> yeah, they, normally are not your biggest <laughs> offensive guys. But even if you take those guys out of it, I mean, your top six on any given night, they can all crush you. AJ yeah. Pollock is your number six hitter. This team put out 17 hits, all through the four triples. But, you know, it's kind of funny to me. A couple people, when John Gray had that bad first inning, there were some of the social media armchair armchair coaches saying, pull John Gray right now. He has no business being there. And obviously Gray did not, you know, do well I, I the was second. right.
0: I wasn't on Twitter, but... But but, you know, here, but in here, a wild card game, but, you don't give time. You do not get time here, to figure but, it out. But
1: here's here's my thing, and it goes back to the team by team situation. The Rockies bullpen is not good, and so I'm okay with okay. It was a really bad first inning. Let's see. Let's see if he can come out and maybe show us. All right, second inning, the jitters are gone. He can be better. I'm okay sending him back out there, knowing who you have in your bullpen. And by the way, that Rockies bullpen gave up ten runs and seven hits in seven and two thirds innings. They are bad, and so <laughs> I have no issue with sending. No, look, obviously it didn't work, but to me that was the right so, move. Let him see if you can just figure it out because you don't have statistically better options. though. And this was I saw these numbers last night. Statistically, take a.
0: Top pitcher, and he has that kind of first inning. His basically, they rarely figure it out after that. I mean, it usually means because he does. The thing about it was is that I, in that first inning, he had no location. I mean, again, I know sometimes you know you you, you find it, but I, I like what the Diamondbacks did. I you know again, you have to win. The rough thing about the well, wild card playoff game, especially, like if you're the Dodgers, you're thrilled when Robbie Ray went out there. And oh, I'm sorry,
1: it was ten hits and seven runs and six and two thirds. But you were yeah.
0: thrilled when Robbie Ray went out there. And then you were even more thrilled when Robbie Ray didn't throw one inning to you know, to kinda of get through the middle. Yeah, there out there, yeah. And you know, so if you're the Dodgers, that's great because it does mean that you are going into a series and they used they got a good pitching staff, but they used their top two starting pitchers. In the game, so you're you're not going to see them as much in the uh, in the division series. That being said, exactly to me, the right move the Diamondbacks made because you worry about that. I mean, it is something where you never know. You're right. You never know you what's going to happen in game three, game four, game five because of what you've done here. But. You, for the wild card, you have to get there, and
2: you can't you can't hold Robbie Ray for a game that you might never play. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just that's just not the way to manage that game. So, uh, both teams uh, managed, I thought, the game as aggressively as they could, mm-hmm. and the Diamondbacks are the more talented team. I mean, you mentioned AJ Pollock. I mean, that's a guy who two years ago was gonna was on his way to being. a... A big star. I mean, what was he, a seven-war player in 2015? And, that elbow and then he had that elbow injury Started in 2016, uh, really just short-circuited. You know, a roster that Dave Stewart and Tony La Russa and that front office had constructed that was star-heavy and did have some potential, but also lacked depth because of some of the trades they made. And so when you lose a player of A.J. Pollock's stature, A, he's hard to replace, B, they didn't have the depth. So I think Mike Hazen and Ami Asade in the new front office there in, in Arizona – which is what, like their sixth team of general yes. managers in the last decade under this ownership group? I mean, it's it's ridiculous uh, how much instability there's been in Arizona. Um, but credit to Mike Hazen and Antonio Lovullo, the manager, and they have been more stable this year. They have handled the roster better, and they developed uh, the depth. But of course, the other thing is they've stayed healthy, so they're benefiting from, hey, you know, yeah, you lose, uh, you don't get to start Robbie Ray or Greinke, in the first game but your options now are Pat Corbin or Talon Walker and they got Pat Corbin healthy and luckily for them he stayed healthy and uh, Talon Walker I guess is their other option and uh, that was a good trade again that trade with Seattle they've made so uh, I, I I think Arizona's still a they're still alive B they're still in they're in good shape the thing to worry about to me is Bradley not just did he get hit last night he got hammered that home run by Dolan uh, was Went a, a the long defi- way. The a, that was the definition of getting your foot down early. His, <laughs> his foot was down before. Like I think the beard was a half inch shorter when his foot was down. I don't know how he kept his hands back with so much power with his foot down that early in that swing. But second of all, um, Bradley got hammered toward the end of the year. Uh, if you go to the game-by-game, game, his last three outings, he gave got, up got multiple runs twice in his last three outings. I just read something by Nick Picoro this morning before the podcast where they were trying to to extend Bradley. Once they clinched, okay, one thing we're working on, let's get you up and down. Right. Former starter. Let's see if we can extend you uh, Andrew Miller style in the postseason. And it was an inning, three hits, two runs, and he couldn't make it out of the second and didn't get an out. And then one in the third, four hits. So two of his last three outings, he got hit hard. Uh, he got five outs. And he got four base runners in the other outing. So... Archie Bradley Because they, they need him. They they oh they desperately need him because you can't this ain't two thousand thirteen World Baseball Classic Fernando Rodney. We're seeing here. He's <laughs> Where's lost the plantain. His, he's lost his lucky plantain, Jay. Where's the plantain? You know, my son's uh, on his travel ball team had a lucky banana this weekend and I think he did it. He once it was, it was bruised an homage. once it was once it with the banana was bruised, he came in between games and said, I'm gonna be like Fernando Rodney. And it's like okay, number one, you're way too much of a baseball nerd. I apologize for, <laughs> for uh, having you brainwashed. But B, where is Rodney's plantain? I was looking for it. That plantain is is is, is gone. They, I, you know, he pitched okay, I guess, but, last night. But they can't beat the Dodgers in my mind without good Archie Bradley, and they didn't have good Archie. But the Bradley funny thing is I'm, is, I'm worried about that for them. I, I, if yeah,
0: I agree with you, but I like actually how they're using it. Like again, if 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 Bradley is the Archie Bradley we've seen during the regular season. If he's not completely and utterly gassed, and I'm not sure that that's not but even
2: if he's like two if he's 90% Bradley, that but, should
0: be good enough. He's but I good. like the way, like you saw it again last night. You know, and again, Archie Bradley kind of helped himself because, you know, the triple. That triple but, was a
2: lot of fun. I like but, triples.
0: But you put Archie Bradley in the game when how it worked, you have Bradley in the game when it's really tight, and then you hand Rodney the game when it's
2: like Here's the keys to the game. There's four runs. Don't screw it up.
1: In fairness, though, Rodney was going to come in whether it was a run run game or a four-run game. But what I'm
2: saying is is that... They deployed Bradley when the game was
0: closer. Right. He made it closer. To me, yeah, he made it closer. But to me, I want... I kind of actually like... Again, the same thing that the Indians did last year. I like taking your best pitcher and using your best reliever whenever needed and having still a perfectly functional guy I do wonder how much, you're the ninth.
2: I do wonder how much of that is the evolution of strategy and smarter front offices and how much of that is just the, the, the fact that we just have deeper bullpens now. And oh, yeah. better arms go in the bullpen. Andrew Miller is in the bullpen only because he failed as a starter. I mean, that's the guy who, uh, just reading the draft book, and uh, the Tigers were the only other team that the Dodgers were afraid of taking Clayton Kershaw before their pick. But Andrew Miller was number one on our board in that 2006 mm-hmm. draft. And uh, they took Andrew Miller at six because he fell to six. And because David Chad uh, never runs from a Scott Boras client. So, um, so they took Andrew Miller. I mean, uh, Andrew Miller was supposed to be a, a really good starter. A lot of these guys, so was Archie Brown. Oh, Archie Browse, the, seventh overall the time, Brad. Archie Brothers. That's what I'm saying. Some of these guys who, I mean, Dylan Batanza's got a million dollars in the eighth round back when that was a thing. So, I mean, it's still a thing now, but that was a round record for that but, draft. Uh, Aroldis Chapman, that's the best arm in the world. He was the starter for Cuba. I still think it's amazing that Aroldis Chapman, the best arm in the world, relieves and didn't really ever get a chance to start in the major league. So, most of these guys who were doing this with are failed starters, and I wonder if they're failed starters because teams are impatient or because they... It's a, you know, it's a, it's a chicken-and-egg question to me. Are we putting better arms in the bullpen because we think that's better strategy, or is it just the way that pitchers are developed today, that they're not developed, and there's too much emphasis on velocity? It's a bigger picker but, question but,
0: to but, me. My, my point, though, is, is that we've had this multiple times now in recent years, and it's almost... I don't think it's even necessarily by design, but it was notable, like, with the Royals, when the Royals were in the postseason... Their best pitcher was their best reliever was Wade Davis, mm-hmm. but Wade Davis wasn't the closer. Right. You know, it was no. We've got Greg Holland. I think in some ways, again, with these deeper bullpens, of they didn't
2: win the World Series there. Right. Year. But
0: but deeper bullpens, <laughs> but deeper bullpens do allow you though to kind of do this right. thing where you have you're the closer and you're the fireman, which we, that's an evolution, another step we've gotten to right. because we used to have. The you're fireman. The and the fireman. Right. right. Now we have you're the closer, you're the fireman. And, you know, I, I kind of think that we're going to see that for multiple teams here. I think when you talk about the Yankees, you're going to see that because, as good as the role as Chapman is, it's kind of nice to just say, okay, you're the yeah. ninth.
2: Chad
1: Green's been their best Chad, believer. I was this saying, year, Chad Green's the thought.
2: fireman. And David Robertson was the fireman in that game. Mm-hmm. In the wildcard game, he got 10 outs. But, I mean, like, in the Red Sox fireman, it appears is going to be David Price. Yes. Well, I mean, again, a $30 million <laughs> fireman. Well, look, at the end of the
1: day, it goes back to. You have to build depth in every aspect of your team your offense, your rotation, and your bullpen. You know, relying on one or two guys to do the trick in any rung is a risky and probably failing strategy. So, I do think that yes, teams are building bullpens, but they're also still looking hey, we need to round out our rotation. We see the high cost teams are paying for fourth and fifth caliber starters. We're seeing, you know, a lot of teams. I mean, how often do we see teams? Oh, we've, you know, the Stars and Scrubs, you've got four really good guys in their lineup, Mm -hmm. and the four or five automatic outs at the bottom of the lineup end up sinking their season. I mean, you've got to build depth in all aspects of your team. And to me, that's where I do like what the Yankees have done with their, well, their whole team, but their bullpen. The Diamondbacks, even, you know, Andrew Chafin and Jorge De La Rosa, also two former starters at various points. De La Rosa in the majors, Chafin in the minors. Jorge
2: De La Rosa, like, has a few Rockies career records. he was there a long time. Yeah, I mean,
1: Andrew Chafin was a a top left handed pitching prospect for a little bit as a starter. I mean, these are guys who, you know, there's value throughout. Obviously, Bradley's the big name. Rodney's the big name. But there's guys even beyond them.
2: Andrew Chafin is a – that's the guy that Brian Kennedy should be tweeting about today for kill the win because somehow Andrew Chafin got the win. He got one out in the fourth inning – and he gets the win. But, but the funny thing is, is we were
0: win. talking about this yesterday, John. Like, again, slight. I will try to keep this as a very short little tangent, but we were talking about it's like, hey, so who led the league in saves this year?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, it, it's Alex. Did you know? Who led the major leagues in saves this year? Alex Colome. Yeah, yeah.
0: And we were saying about wow, you want to talk about a stat that really has become just worthless. That is the stat that has been devalued more than. I mean, there's
2: no way you would ever argue him as the best reliever in baseball this year. I mean, like the save is a mis- completely misleading stat, even more so than Andrew Chafin getting the win in this. Uh, but but what, any co- last question on this before we quickly pivot to the, the next round? Which uh, losing wild card team is more likely to make the playoffs next year? The young pitching Rockies. Or the young position player but desperate for pitching Twins? I'm going to take the Rockies.
1: I think that rotation they've built is one that they can lean on here for the next few years. And I I do think they're going to be in – the NOS is going to be tough. The Dodgers and Diamondbacks aren't going away anytime soon. But I really like the foundation the Rockies have built.
0: I'm going to say the Twins, and the reason I say the Twins partly is, is I look at the AL Central. And you look at the Central and you go, okay, now the Indians are still going to be very good. Yes. I expect them to be very good. They're built for the long haul. But you look at the rest of that division. The Tigers are rebuilding. The Royals next year is year one of the rebuild. I mean, I just look at it and say there are going to be a lot of wins to be had in that division, which is going to help get you, again, if, if next year holds anything like this year where... 88, you know, 87-88 gets you there? Okay, well, then there's an easier way to that, get back. That
1: thought did flash in my head that there's no question. The Twins, I think, have an easier road, and it could be one of those funky things where over the next four years, it wouldn't shock me if the Twins have been in the playoffs more, but the Rockies are, quote-unquote, the better team.
2: But, but, I'm, on, I'm on Team Twins there, and I, I, mean, just, I mean, I like the Rockies' young pitching, but, I mean... But your, whew, your point, position players for the for the Twins are. I'm always going to bet on the young position player over the young pitchers. But
0: your point that you made also yesterday that I liked was is that you do have to remember this is the Twins team. I know they had the number one pick in life. They had the worst record in baseball a year ago, but they also two years ago.
2: Yeah, they won 83 games in 2015. They won 59 in 2016. I mean, they just. I, I think neither they were overachieved in 15, but they were on the way up. They certainly underachieved in 2016. Um, really interesting to see what they do with Paul Molitor. He's not signed a I, which, contract for next year, which, again, I just think tells you a little bit about you know, new new front office. Derek Falvey is the CBO, and uh, you know Thad Levine is the GM. And they evaluate it, but it seems like what else could Paul Molitor do? But I, I don't know what those discussions are like. You know, I don't know. Neither of us, I think, has ever interviewed yeah. for one of those managerial jobs. And, uh, Kyle, I don't know if you did that before you got here. I was say, I don't uh, think. I uh, what's say what's say it? I did. It didn't come up in your interview. Can't say I did. Um, but that's you know that that's a fascinating one. But you know, very happy again for Bud Black, like you said yesterday. And I thought the Rockies uh, acquitted themselves very well. It was a really good game, and a lot of time. Mean, you're down six nothing, you come back to six five, and uh, on the that road had, with that crowd behind them. Yeah, and, and uh, they're they're really just a couple of batted bats away in my mind from getting to double figures. That Charlie Blackman popping up to short left with first and third. I mean, like that's your one of your best players, and that's why he bunted later in the game. And then uh, Ian Desmond, TFCO buddy, on that. Uh, go up the ladder strikeout where he swung a pitch up oh. around his head. And, and but I do think we did. By the way, is he, Ian is he Desmond, you know, like. A you know, base hit and a run scored in a second at that? Yeah. Four more years in that contract. I, I was going to say, like, don't
0: they have to, like, you've talked about their middle infield. Doesn't Ian Desmond need to end up in their middle infield? You know? A we'll, little surprised that he didn't. I mean, because that's, again, the, that contract looks better. I'm not saying it's going to look good, but it looks better if he's playing. Right. Probably if he's playing in the dirt, it's second or short for you. you,
1: gotta remember, you know, I'm curious because you got to remember, it's been a while since he's been out there. He was in the outfield for the Rangers. So no, I know. I, it's been, I, 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 it's been I, two I'm, years. I'm curious. I mean, but two years as you get older, that can make a world of difference in whether you lost a step or two. I, I think it'd be interesting, but I don't think we know for sure. If it's We don't know if this is still the same Ian Desmond. I, I gotta, I mean,
2: you he got played five to, innings at shortstop this year, so they tried it. Uh, you know, I don't know how it went. But I mean I would try it more for sure. I mean Because again if I'm looking at that a contract, I would try especially it. Especially
0: if sure. I'm looking at it, I think from you also you look at Rocky's roster management, they have if 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 healthy, which is always like but they have David Dahl, they have Romel Tapia. Outfielders
2: Yeah Blackman.
0: They have you know, they Blackman already there. They have outfielders coming up. They need they Brendan
2: Rogers. Yeah, you know, they're Brendan Rogers.
0: But he's but,
1: he's still another year or so.
0: But they 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 could use to me Ian Desmond helps their team more next year playing second or short than he does if he's in the outfield. The
2: one position they don't need is third base. They have a young third baseman, and they draft a young third baseman every year. And Tyler Devin and uh, who's the other guy? Colton Welker. Colton Welker. And this year it was Ryan Vallade, uh, I believe, who's a shortstop in high school. But he's going to be a third baseman. Might be a third baseman. They're going to keep him in shortstop. Draft report cards are coming next week. So he's in the Rockies draft report card, and they want him to be a shortstop. So, but what they don't need is young third basemen. They have a good one in the major leagues. I will say again, Nolan Arenado's swing last night seemed like it defied all the things that you teach guys about swings, but it was, it was, okay. it was pretty fun. Before,
0: so let's move on to today. Today we got the AL. We've got the, uh, the Red Sox and Astros at 4 o'clock Eastern.
2: Sale Verlander. Sale
0: Verlander, which... <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. No, that's and then we've got uh, Yankees Indians, seven thirty, and that is Sonny Gray versus uh, Trevor Bauer. So Bauer outage. Uh,
2: well, surprise that Bauer is the first game starter and not. Uh, Kluber, was there? a reason there, that Yeah, I,
1: there were t- I think had, I want to say it had to do with a regular rest situation. I remember taking a look at it real quick, but you know, see if Trevor Bauer. You know, I don't know if he ever got his drone back. I mean, no. that's that's the biggest storyline here. If he got his drone back and if he has, to I'm the sure that one.
0: Trevor has more than one drone. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's he, he, my, put, he put my, out a Twitter I, all points bulletin for it. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm guessing Trevor has several drones. Yes, um, but you know, but so we have we have two really good pitching matchups here. We have. Again, we got the four best teams, I think, by any explanation, four best teams in the AL.
2: Those are those are great matchups. I mean those, those are both good. just tremendous series matchups. I mean Houston's lineup is so much more explosive and deep than Boston's, but Chris Sale is the one is the most likely pitcher in my mind to be like, I, I don't pitch. care <laughs> yeah. about your lineup. Um, but the trends in this postseason is the lineup doesn't care about your 308 regular season strikeouts. So Boston's lack of power is so glaring in today's game. The fact that I think uh, Haley Ramirez led the team in home runs with what, 23? I mean, it's just so stunning that they had that kind of and success. With
0: 23 right now is like, oh, the Reds had, I think, four
1: guys, six guys who, you know, hit 23. So it, was, it was interesting when I looked up before we, uh, before the postseason started, the Red Sox, I think, were 10th or 11th in runs, but 22nd in OPS. This was not a power lineup. They had to manufacture.
2: Yeah, it was 24 for Mookie Betts. That led the team. But the thing is, theoretically, the Red Sox are the team that's most built for the postseason because they have the most ways to score. They don't strike out a ton. They run the bases they very aggressively. Really they run the bases very well. They're an outstanding defensive team. So... They're athletic, they have a variety of ways they and, can beat you. And so when theoretically, we talk they're about tougher.
0: and with, now with thirty million dollar fireman David Price, when you talk right. about deploy the pen.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, uh, David if David Price is like basically rookie David Price here as a weapon that you use whenever you need in the in right. the in the you know, in the bullpen, to go with Craig Kimbrell, who basically means you know, the the ninth, and they're not hinting that maybe some of the 8th and the ninth. Yeah,
2: Craig Kimbrell's by incredible. By like,
1: Joe, Joe Kelly and Addison Reed, that, right. that's a really nice way to finish.
2: Addison Reed's been outstanding since they got him. And a little uh, modest uh, X factor in this, I think he's making the playoff rosters. Austin Maddox has been really good for them. Former Florida Gator, dude who played One six of the years many. of varsity high school baseball <laughs> because he uh, made the team at his private school when he was a 7th grader. You know, Austin Maddox was supposed to be a dude uh, coming up as a catcher, and the fact that he made the major leagues as a pitcher after being a two-way guy at uh, Florida, his career has uh, been interesting to follow. And uh, he pitched well for the Red Sox in September. I think he's making the playoff roster.
0: So, But you put that all together and you say, okay, you know, that is the weakest lineup, I feel like, of these uh, AL teams. And I still say, but I still look at it and say, that's not a fun team well and and again
1: that's where I you know I went back when I looked at the Red Sox the worst of the playoff teams in terms of runs scored the Dodgers in this entire postseason was 12th in all of baseball Every single one of these teams was a, one of the to, you know essentially one of the top third offenses in baseball. The Red Sox too, even though the OPS was low, right? right. They're but, still top, but that, top 10 11 Because OPS, you know, this shows basically the flaw of the OPS stat,
0: which is is that it values on base and slugging equally. And the reality is, is on base is worth more than slugging. And they're a very good, they're a good on base team. Yeah, which get, they the reality are
2: the also is that slugging is easier to come by these days, right?
0: And so what happens is is but they are the unusual team in that. They are the team that is kind of like the not, you know, strikeout, the not three outcome. They are actually, they're going to need to string together hits. But they have a whole lot of guys in that lineup who you say, you know what, they can string together hits.
2: I mean, the Astros were better over the course of the year against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. But it it wasn't a significant difference, uh, too statistically significant. But the Red Sox are going to come at them with sale and Pomerantz, those are the two best starters mm-hmm. right now, both left-handed. And again, David Price out of the bullpen. So the the Astros are going to have to hit quality left-handers to win that series. I expect them to do that, though. I expect them to win that series. You
1: know, it's, it's interesting. I look at this series, I, all these series we've talked about, they're fairly equitable, all really good teams. You could easily see both teams winning it. Red Sox-Astros, I know when we were filling out our little playoff brackets, that was actually the one I had the hardest one making a call on who to win this series. Where do you guys stand on that? I actually, got the Astros in the World Series, so it's... Uh, yeah. I
2: actually, no, but I thought the toughest series actually is the Yankees-Indians, because as good as the Indians are, the Yankees are playing really, really well. When Aaron Judge is going well, the Yankees are kind of a juggernaut, and when he's not there, you know, he, they really rely very heavily on, you know, the 6'7", 280-pound dude who hit 52 home put, runs. Two eighty two. Yeah, put the team know.
0: on my shoulders. My shoulders I mean, can handle not, it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm At mean, least he, put Ronald Torres on his yeah. shoulders. So, I mean,
2: like, as good as the Indians like, are. That puts them up
0: to, like, eight feet of, uh, you know. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: Well, seeing it in person. They're really,
2: they're really good. The Indians are really good. But so are the Yankees. And, and just talking to some scouts this week, and again, just these draft report card calls. Everyone I've talked to in the industry thinks of the Yankees as extremely dangerous. So, oh, there's no question. Uh, the so, I mean, like I think I, I think everyone has, I think the general public seems to think the Indians are this prohibitive favorite, and they're on this train to the between the long win streak and what they did in the postseason last year would not shock me at all. If the Yankees won that series. Wouldn't it shock me at all if the Yankees dominated that series. I think it's a very close series. I think the Indians were the better. T- they were the better team over the course of the year, but not by a lot. So. Um, to me, the biggest edge in that series really is Terry Francona in the dugout. So I still give the Indians the edge, but that's going to be—I think—that's going to be a fantastic. I'm just—I
0: am very excited. I, I'm more excited, probably. As good as the NL series are, I'm really probably more excited about these AL series, like these division series. Like that's fair.
2: The crazy thing is like the, the Yankees Pythag record was 162, so they were like—you know—the run differential was ridiculous. The, the Pythagorean record for the Indians was 108 and 54, so they are the better team. But five-game series. Yankees bullpen being what it is uh and Aaron Judge being hot I would I would almost I, I if I'm Terry Francona I almost look into like okay what happens if I walk him virtually every time you know and make Gary Sanchez and the rest of that lineup beat me uh I'd look into that you know I would strongly look into that because Aaron Judge uh he's the only one in that lineup well he and Sanchez they don't need Yankee Stadium to make it easy for them to hit home runs the rest of them sure do, especially Gregorius, but, uh, who I think is completely properly rated, by the way. He's, he's not underrated. He's completely properly rated. Uh, he's good. He's good. He's not great. Uh- He's, his power is a creation of that ballpark. So that's, I think his all
1: around game, I think is it's is good. Really, he's a really, little, good, is really, really. But you good. can
2: overrate him because of the home runs, because that ballpark, which uh, he look, is. Yankee Stadium's a band. Yankee
1: yeah. and that's one of the interesting things I, I want to circle back to. Obviously, these were huge offensive games. These it's huge offensive environments. I do think we have to keep in mind that both Yankee Stadium's a bandbox, and the ball does fly at Chase Field. So I do think that just, it's wor- worth worthwhile to take that into account. In regards to the starting pitcher performances, yeah, I mean that's
2: the third most offensive ballpark in the in the game. So uh, let's see what happens in Dodger Stadium and in Cleveland, and uh, let's hope that the games are in Cleveland are decided on the field and not by midges. Or if it starts <laughs> looking for <the> midges, <laughs> I'm not even a Yankee fan, but I'm, I am looking forward to. A lack of midges in this a midge free series. We're looking for a mid-free midge season. And also, if it starts
1: getting cold, I mean, as we start getting to late October, it was cold in Chicago during the series last year. That's Cleveland. bad news
2: for Edwing. No. Edwing likes it warm. So
1: no, Cleveland, we saw that rain. I mean, I do think we'll. It'll be interesting to see as the month goes on as it gets colder, how we'll see, you know, even yeah. if that affects the offense a little bit.
0: We're not Facebook-living this, but if you've ever watched one of our Facebook Lives, you know that John <laughs> is contractually it. obligated to do the Ed Wing anytime we talk about Ed Wing and Encarnacion. If only it were brought to you by Carl's Jr. You know that, but Instead, it's, uh, we're brought to you by Baseballism. We're baseball brought to by Baseballism. And we do thank you for the download. We thank you for the listen. If you want to uh, rate us, feel free to rate us on iTunes or any of your favorite uh, podcast uh, subscription uh apps. Uh, we thank you. Our, as always, we're brought to you by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com and near the offer code Ship, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. They have some special uh, October uh, postseason stuff, as you would expect, because Baseballism is really good at what they do. Yep. For John, for Kyle, I'm JJ. We will talk to you again tomorrow.